Welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you guys for being here today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, hey, go ahead and do that right now. I'm coming out with new episodes every single Wednesday morning for you. You're going to want to check it out. If you haven't left me a rating or a review yet, hey, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would do so. Now, getting started on the podcast today, the first segment is going to be all about positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment. Yes, we're going to take a more in-depth look and understanding at this terminology, what it means, how it comes into play, maybe some misinformation that's out there about that stuff. So it's a topic that I have a lot to say about. So we're going to take a really deep look into this. Now, I've scratched the surface with this information before in some previous segments, but today, like I said, deep, deep dive. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to want to hear everything I have to say about that. And following that segment, we'll have our breed of the week. Then comes our dog hero segment today. We're going to talk about a dog that has been a hero to people, and it's going to be phenomenal. Then we have our listener Q&A. And hey, if you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, whether it's dog training related or maybe just dog related in general, feel free to email me. It's questions at speakadogcast.com. Before we get going, though, hey, we got to get that trivia question out there. And today's trivia question is, what breed of dog was originally bred to catch rats? Now I'll give you the answer to today's question somewhere in the podcast. So be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's all about positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment. Now, these words are very, very, very misunderstood. Yes, very misunderstood. Now, uh, you know, I did a segment a couple episodes back on Dog Psychology 101. Now, I highly recommend you can go back and listen to that. Uh, that's sort of where I start scratching the surface about this stuff. But today, I'm hoping to take a full-blown deep dive into it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to get a little further and a little deeper into these terms, their meaning, understanding them. Now, I, I look at it as having a comprehension of these terms. This is the foundational building block for training animals, dogs, cats, birds. I don't care what you're working with. If you don't understand these concepts, if you don't understand these term, terms and how they come into play and how you utilize them to work with an animal, then you're not going to have a lot of success working with that animal. Or maybe you'll have moderate success working with that animal, okay? I mean, to me, look, I have high expectations personally. I want to set my expectations high for training. I don't want mediocre results. I want amazing results. And if you want amazing results, you have to understand these concepts. Look, when I first started training, you know, 10 plus years ago, whatever I'm at now, um, I started completely on feel. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I say this. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> I really didn't. I had always been told I had a great way with animals. I had an eye. And what I didn't realize, I had an eye for it. You know, I had an eye. I was seeing things with behavior that I just, I saw them, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. Okay. Um, and, and I think that's a lot, you know, with people who are quote unquote good with animals when they're growing up or when they're younger, I think that's what it is, is they kind of have an eye for the psychology side of it. They just maybe haven't been taught how to define and, and, um, you know, be able to explain what they're seeing, right? So when I first started, I read a bunch of books and that's how I got going. <laughs> and 
it, look, I'll be honest, it wasn't until somebody provided me with that information and knowledge of what I was doing. And what I was doing is following the rules of psychology, following the rules of reinforcement and punishment. Okay, nature, nature put these laws into place. This isn't somebody's opinion. This is the way this stuff works. And before I had that understanding and that comprehension of what I was doing, I got mediocre results, you know, <laughs> I'll be honest, I got mediocre results. I got some results with my my original first clients, but not the results that I'm able to accomplish and get today. And it's because I have an understanding of what I'm doing. And as I've said before, I think it's really important that I also give that knowledge to my clients and that they understand what they're doing, because it's not just about you know, pulling the leash and giving the dog a treat or asking for a sit and, hey, yay, he did it, give him some reinforcement. You got to understand what reinforcement is, why that dog chose to sit down versus turning and trying to walk away from you, right? Motivation, reinforcement, punishment. Understanding these concepts is so vital to success with training your pet, okay? So it's funny, there are a lot of, of trainers out there who really don't rely on these concepts. And it blows my mind because why wouldn't you want to understand the concepts that you're using, right? Uh, and, and not only that, impart them upon your clients. So you've got to be able to use this stuff. So, okay, let's, let's just dive into it. Let's just start. Now, disclaimer, some of this stuff is going to be a little bit dry. <laughs> we are talking about psychology, psychological concepts. There's no emotional connotation to this, guys. Uh, look, starting right here, what you view as a desired behavior for your dog, someone to your left may not. What you view as an undesired behavior for your dog, the person next to you might not. So at the end of the day, rules and behavioral expectations, they're arbitrary. They are. They are arbitrary. So it's important that I don't have an emotional attachment or emotional connotation to any of this stuff because... It doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> okay, so that's the first disclaimer. Let's take the emotional stuff, put it to the side today because we're talking about psychology. Now, let's get into it. Reinforcement and punishment. We're going to start right there. Reinforcement, simply put, guys, reinforcement by definition increases behavior. So if a behavior is either staying the same or increasing, by definition, it is being reinforced. Okay? That's important to understand. If a behavior, whether undesired or desired, right? A behavior, undesired or desired, doesn't matter. If a behavior stays the same or increases, it is being reinforced, okay? Because reinforcement increases behavior, okay? The other side of the coin, you probably already know it now, punishment. Punishment decreases behavior, okay? So we utilize punishments in order to decrease behavior, whether undesired or desired, again, irrelevant, punishment is going to decrease behavior, okay? So, really simply put, reinforcement increases behavior, punishment decreases behavior. Now, I try to live by the rule of thumb of that I want to reinforce any desired behavior, right? Anything I view as a desirable behavior by that animal, I want to reinforce it so I can strengthen that behavior, condition it to strengthen that behavior, to increase the likelihood that that animal will want to then repeat that behavior. They repeat the behavior again. What am I going to do? I'm going to reinforce that behavior in order to increase that behavior. And once again, increase the likelihood of that animal wanting to do that behavior again. Okay. Punishment. 
I'm going to have to punish any behaviors I view as undesired in order to get them to decrease. Now I can already hear the critics. Oh, I don't want to use punishment on my animal. <laughs> I got news for you guys. Here it is. We're going to, this is the, this is the head first, face first dive into the pool we're going into. You use punishment every single day. You don't even know it. I said it, I think either last episode or two episodes ago, uh, just because you don't like the word punishment doesn't mean you don't use it. Guys, we use punishment every single day in our lives. We do. We also use reinforcement every single day in our lives. Uh, I've also said it before. You guys are deciding right now whether you like me or you don't. You're either liking the things I have to say or you're hating it. So I got news for you. Right now, right in this moment, I'm actually reinforcing some people and I'm punishing other people. Okay, because here's the definition of punishment. Anything an animal works to avoid. So if you turn off this podcast right now because you don't like what I'm saying, guess what you're doing? You're avoiding me. And by definition, I am a form of punishment to you. <laughs> yeah, you heard me correctly, guys. I can't reach through the microphone and do anything physical to you, but I'm still punishing behavior because punishment does not have to be anything physical. Punishment is anything an animal works to avoid. So again, if you turned off this podcast right now, I hope you don't. Uh, but if you were to turn off this podcast right now because you don't like what I'm saying, you are avoiding it. Therefore, I am a form of punishment. My podcast would be a form of punishment to you if you worked to avoid it. Other side of the coin. You may love what I'm saying right now. I hope you do. Um, and you may like this podcast. You may think this is great. And guess what? You're going to come back for more. You're going to come back and click the next episode. Well, guess what? I'm reinforcing and strengthening that behavior of you listening to my podcast. When you go to work, when you go to work, guys, let me ask you something. Do you get paid for doing no work? Or do you actually have to do your job to get paid? <laughs> so you get reinforced for doing your job and you get punished for not doing your job. Your company wants to pay you to reinforce the behavior of your work, to increase, right, you doing your job or to stay the same, right? <laughs> okay. Whereas if you don't do your work, you're going to get fired. You're going to get punished. You're going to get an aversive. So think about these concepts, guys. They happen every single day. Punishment and reinforcement. Your spouse, believe it or not, <laughs> your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, significant other, what have you, they decide, you decide whether you like them, right? And you're either going to stick around and increase that behavior, reinforce it, or your spouse is going to do something you don't like and or a girlfriend or maybe an ex-girlfriend. You know why they're an ex-girlfriend? Because by definition, they ended up becoming a form of punishment and you worked to avoid them. <laughs> Okay, so whether you guys like it or not, punishment and reinforcement are happening all around you all the time, constantly. It's the rules of the universe. <laughs> okay, it's the ebb and flow. It is. It's the ebb and flow of the universe. I'm definitely kind of a believer in that yin and yang kind of thing, right? Uh, and to me, that's what that is. Punishment and, re and, and reinforcement. Okay, punishment and reinforcement. We don't know what the good is without the bad. We don't know what the bad is without the good, right? It creates balance in this world. So you can sit here and go, I want to be, I just want to use force free, David. I don't want to punish my animal. You can say that till your face turns blue, but I got news for you folks. 
If you withhold a treat from your dog at any point that your dog wants a treat, you are using punishment by definition. Yes, boys and girls, that is correct. Just withholding a treat. Anything an animal works to avoid is the definition of punishment. Your dog works to avoid not getting a treat. Double negative, I know, but yes. If you withhold a treat when your dog wants one, you just punish that behavior. How about how about the, uh, I love it, this is, this is the go-to fix for dogs jumping on you. When a dog jumps on you, what does everybody tell you to do? Oh, turn your back and ignore them. That works sometimes. Well, guess what? If it works, it's a form of punishment because your dog works to avoid not getting your attention. I think I said that right. <laughs> okay. So I'm just trying to give you a bunch of examples here to understand the concepts of reinforcement and punishment. Reinforcement and punishment. Punishment is anything an animal works to avoid. Now, we've been honing in on the punishment side. Let's talk about reinforcement. Let's talk about the biggest misunderstanding in psychology. Positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Whew, okay. I am going to try to keep this narrow and, and on track here, <laughs> but I mean, man, oh gosh, the things I could talk about with positive and negative reinforcement. Here's the thing, guys. Okay. Uh, and, and this is, this is, this is not tricky. It's not meant to be tricky. It's not meant to be, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Negative and positive in the psychology world do not mean good and bad. I'm going to say it again. Negative and positive, when we're talking about psychology, in the psychology world, negative and positive do not mean good and bad. As a matter of fact, there's actually no emotional connotation to it whatsoever because positive in science means addition, negative in science means removal or subtraction. Do you guys feel bad when you're in math class and you have to subtract four from five? Do you feel bad because it's negative? Oh, no, no, you don't. So why in the world have we put the word or put the emotion of negativity with the word negative reinforcement? Guys, negative reinforcement is not punishment. I'm going to probably say this 10 more times before the end of this segment. Negative reinforcement does not mean punishment. I don't care what you've read on the Internet. I don't care what study you have read. I've read studies from reputable universities that have actually used the incorrect definition of negative reinforcement. Blows my mind. There is so much misinformation out there. It's insane to me, guys. So I'm going to say it again. Negative reinforcement does not mean punishment. Do you know why? <laughs> I know I'm being a little bit of a smart right now, but um, this is a big pet peeve of mine because people really think they know better here, and unfortunately, they don't. Do you know why negative reinforcement doesn't mean punishment? Because it has the word reinforcement on it, folks. I'm going to let you in on the little secret. You ready for it? You ready? You ready? Here we go. Here we go. We have positive, I mean, I, you know, it's funny, I wish I was taking a video of this because I kind of put a visual to it, right? I got my left hand hanging up in the air, right over here on my left side, and I have over here on the left side, I have positive reinforcement and I have negative reinforcement. Then over here on my right hand, hanging out on the right side, we have positive punishment and negative punishment. Folks, did you guys hear me? We have positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. Then we also have on the other side of the coin, positive punishment and negative punishment. We're about to get tricky and complicated. Y'all ready for it? Here we go. 
Woo. Positive and negative. What did I just say a few minutes ago? Positive and negative mean addition, subtraction. So by definition, positive reinforcement is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. Negative reinforcement is the removal of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. Did you hear that? Because what did I say at the very beginning of the segment? Reinforcement increases behavior. So yes, both positive and negative reinforcement increase behavior. You heard me correctly. Both positive and negative reinforcement are used to increase a targeted behavior. The only difference between the two is positive is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior, and negative reinforcement is the removal of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. But they're both reinforcement. Let's go to the other side of the coin, ladies and gentlemen. We have positive and negative punishment. Anybody want to take a guess at what that means? You can really look at punishment also as anything an animal works to avoid in order to increase, uh, excuse me, decrease behavior, right? Because punishment decreases behavior. So the addition of a stimulus in order to decrease a behavior, the removal of a stimulus in order to decrease a targeted behavior. That's positive and negative punishment, guys. David, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I told you, this stuff gets a little tricky because here's the crazy thing. Let's, let me see if I can drum up an example in my head here. You know what? We'll use this example. Many years ago, <laughs> a few years ago, rather, uh, I guess it's been quite a few at this point. Uh, you know, I thought about building my own dog training, boarding, doggy day camp facility. And I'll be honest, uh, building something on that scale was not a road I really wanted to go down. That's just, that's the truth of it. I, I like the scale I have now and what we're building toward here and, and being a little smaller and being able to control your own destiny a little better. Um, but, you know, when I was looking into building this place, I was lucky enough to actually get to tour um, a doggy day camp boarding facility. They don't do, they didn't do training. Um, but again, this was years ago. And I got, to, I got to go on a tour of the place, and they were showing me all around, and I'll never forget, I'm inside this indoor playroom. It's a pretty big playroom, and there's, I would say, about seven or eight, you know, retriever-size-ish dogs, you know, kind of breed dogs in there, and they're all playing around, romping around. Now, interesting note, this place doesn't believe in having dog toys out. This is, I mean, again, years ago, who knows what their policies are now. I haven't spoken with them in a long time, but no toys in this place. No toys, because they were afraid that there would be fights. Okay, so it's their preventative measure to avoid fights. Now, okay, to each his own, uh, whatever. But what ends up happening is these dogs now have to use each other as a toy because there's nothing, there's no other, it's an empty room. There's nothing else to do but run around and play with each which is fine, which is fine. However, there was one dog that kept getting picked on, right? And it kept getting picked on by this other dog. And the person that's in the room that's in charge, um, we're, you know, I'm just I'm there observing, this dog is getting picked on, and the dog that's getting picked on keeps trying to get away from the other dog. And the other dog just keeps chasing it around, picking on, chasing it around, picking on. So the person in charge in the room actually grabs the dog by the collar that's getting picked on and holds on to him. So now she's just made it an easier target. And now the other dog is just kind of circling her and picking and circling her and picking and circling her and picking and circling her and picking. Now what has ended up happening here is she actually ended up punishing the dog that's doing nothing wrong and reinforcing the dog that's doing everything wrong. Okay? Now, I'm going to break it down. Here's what I suggest. I, I, I Can I make a suggestion? Because again, this this place is not behavior oriented. They were a boarding facility. They, they know their limitations. Behavior training is not what they do. 
Uh, so I, I just asked, I said, hey, can I make a suggestion? She said, sure. I said, I noticed there's a crate sitting in the corner over there. Why not take that dog, put him in the crate for 30 seconds or till he calms down. And then when he calms down, let him out of the crate again. If he starts causing chaos again, put him back in the crate for a timeout for a little bit. Okay, till he calms down. He calms down, let him out, so on and so forth until he'll realize, oh, every time I act up, I get a timeout. Every time I relax, they let me out. I keep relaxing. They keep letting me stay out. Now, what's happening here by definition of psychological terms, what's happening here, okay, is I am removing what no, 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 let me let me rewind. Hold on, let me rewind. <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I have to look at the dog's motivation. What does that dog want? He wants to be out in the crowd of dogs and picking at this other dog. So just putting him in a timeout can be a form of punishment. So what I'm doing is removing the dog, removing the dog, removing the dog, which is negative in the science world, okay? I'm removing him from the situation where he wants to be, and I'm trying to utilize that as a form of punishment. So therefore, I am negatively punishing the dog. Now wait for it. <laughs> We're going to get tricky again. Not only do I remove that dog from the situation, but I also put him in the crate. I'm adding, right? Adding, which is positive. I'm adding a physical barrier. So I'm removing the dog to negatively punish him and wait for it. I'm also adding a physical barrier to positively punish the dog. So believe it or not, simultaneously, at the same time there, I am negatively punishing and positively punishing at the exact same time. Do y'all get that? Removing him because he wants to be there. He wants to cause chaos. He wants Removing from where he wants to be because he's being a pain in the neck <laughs> is negative punishment. Then adding a physical barrier, nothing physical, nothing horrible. I'm not even using a collar to correct him, right? We're just putting a physical barrier up, a timeout, if you will, is positive punishment. Negative and positive punishment at the same time in order to decrease that undesired behavior. Now, like I said, once he calms down in that crate, I'm going to let him out of the crate. Now, ready for it? I'm removing the physical barrier removing the physical barrier, and I'm trying to reinforce or increase that desired behavior of being calm. So if I'm removing the punishment in order to increase the behavior, guess what I'm doing? Negatively reinforcing the behavior. Yes, negative reinforcement. It's not punishment. I said it before. I just proved it to you. Negative reinforcement is not punishment. Now, Let's say we let the dog out and he's pain in the neck again. Guess what? Negative punishment, positive punishment, right back in the crate. He calms down. I let him out of the crate again to negatively reinforce that behavior. Now, let's say this time he gets out of the crate and he's being awesome. He's being a good boy. What, what will I do? I'll say, hey, good boy. Maybe throw him a treat, give him some affection, give him some praise to positively reinforce. I'm adding a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. Okay. These terms are, are complicated yet very simplistic. To me, it's sort of like a plug and chug. Anybody in high school, I mean, I don't know if this was maybe maybe when, when I was in high school in the early 2000s, but uh, plug and chug was something my algebra teacher used to love to say. Plug and chug, plug and chug, right? That's what training is. It's sort of an algebra problem. I've said this before, right? We all know what's on the other side of the equal side. We know what desired behavior we want to accomplish or we want to get. But the variables to get us there in the middle of the equation, X and Y, 
well, we use what we solve for y, and then we have to know what x is. Uh, it's been a long time since I've taken algebra, but <laughs> okay. So I sort of look at it like a plug and chug, but you can't plug and chug if you don't know what x is. And do you know what x is, guys? X is positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement and positive punishment and negative punishment. That's how you get to the other side of the equal sign. Now, notice I didn't use any horrible collar corrections in that scenario. I didn't use any horrible form of punishment. Oh, my gosh, we're going to hurt the dog. We're going to break his emotional spirit. No, you're not. There is nothing wrong with providing a boundary for your dog, folks. And I got news for you. Again, whether you like it or not, you have to use punishment and reinforcement in order to get desired behaviors. Now, I'm not going to go too much on a tangent on this next part today, but I, I have to touch on it. I have to. I have to. Force-free training. I'm going to do a segment on this, but here's my little touch on it, guys. <sighs> you know, I said this before in the listener Q&A. Most states, most, and I don't know all of them. I don't. I don't know all 50 states' leash laws. Um, but just in the state of Florida, guys, state of Florida requires you to have a leash on your dog when you're when you're uh, off private property. A leash, by definition, is force. Again, for some reason, we hear the word force, and automatically we 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 envision this big six foot six muscly guy just coming over to beat the crap out of everybody. Rawr! No, no. Same thing with punishment. That's how we view all oh, punishment. Oh, it means we're going to be mean and harsh. No. Just because we have a, a misunderstanding of these concepts does not mean it's the real truth of it. Guys, if you put a leash on your dog, you are using force. I don't even look, even if you're using a crappy, horrible, extendable leash, you're still using force. There is no such thing thing as force-free training. There's no such thing. It doesn't exist. Anybody want to tell me in mother nature, any animals, any mama animals that go, well, we're not going to use any force and you're going to learn to fly, Mr. Owl. What owl is going to jump out of the nest and not fall flat on their face the first time? Any bird, right? That's force. Force teaches them to not do that again. If a puppy goes over the line and starts getting really rambunctious and its pack of siblings and mom is there and everything, and it starts getting completely out of line, do you think mama, mama dog goes, oh, well, I don't believe in using force, so I'm just going to wait till that puppy stops being bad? <laughs> no! Get real, people! Mama uses force. She comes over there and grabs that dog by its scruff with her mouth and holds him till he stops. Force. If you overuse force, yeah, that's a bad thing. If you overuse punishment, guys, yeah, that's a bad thing. But if you underuse force and punishment, guess what? Also a bad thing. Just because you don't like the word punishment doesn't change the definition of it. I didn't make this stuff up. These aren't my rules. This isn't my opinion. This is the way psychology works. Look, um, it, it, it blows my mind. I said it earlier. I, it really, it boggles my mind. It's just that 
there are reputable organizations and companies and, and universities that do legitimate research into animal psychology and misuse these terms. It really blows my mind, but I've read them. I've read actual studies that use the word negative reinforcement, excuse me, words, negative reinforcement, and they're trying to use it to define punishment. And it's like, doy. Is there no teacher grading this paper? <laughs> is nobody paying attention to this crap? That's misinformation. So when you read a study that starts to say, oh, you should never use negative reinforcement, I stop listening right there. Do you know why? Because they don't know what they're talking about. And that's why it's imperative that you do your research. Don't take my word for it, guys. There are plenty of, plenty of uh, uh, other reputable organizations out there that are actually following these rules correctly. I mean, hell, I, re I read this stuff in my AP Psychology book back in high school. I still have that book, actually. Uh, thank you, Mr. Harsh, by the way. Uh, you know what? Hey, yeah, I got to give I got to give Mr. Harsh some credit. I doubt he's listening. Um, <laughs> my AP psychology teacher, anybody who went to Lyman High School in Longwood, Florida, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That man, what an incredible guy. Mr. Harsh is actually the reason that I got into psychology. He's the one who turned me on to it. It was an AP psychology. Oh, God, I'm getting chills. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly getting chills thinking about his class, guys. It was it was life-changing, and it wasn't just life-changing for me. There are so many people out there, I've heard the stories over the years, who Mr. Harsh influenced their life and touched them and turned them on to this stuff. So much so that I still have that book. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> I still have that psychology book because that's that was, it's funny, that was my aha moment. You know, I just realized it. It was, I didn't know I wanted to work with animals at that point. But that was my aha moment for psychology, was AP psychology in high school. Interesting. Ah, yeah, just kind of sparked right there. That's fun. Um, anyway, all right, I'm sorry. I'm getting off on a tangent going down memory lane there. This is cool. Um, but again, my psychology book says it from years ago, and the concepts have not changed because we, it was concept, concepts weren't invented when I was in high school. This was a long time ago. Somebody figured out positive punishment, negative punishment, positive reinforcement, negative punish, uh, reinforcement. These concepts are not my opinion. They are fact, people. And all I do is follow the rules of psychology. That's it. I follow the rules of psychology, and that's how you can get behavioral success with your animals. But if you do not understand these concepts, if you don't understand that negative reinforcement is not punishment. If you don't understand that concept, then forget it. You're not going to train your animal. Um, you know, look, I give this little two-sheeter. It's a very simple two-page informational sheet that I give at all of my appointments. Any of my clients listening, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I give a two-sheeter and it's, it's very basic. It's basic stuff. It's the basic um, get you going in psychology and training and working with your dog. And one of the things on there is the definition. And I actually keep it even simpler for my clients. We went a little more in depth today. Um, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, punishment. I give them those three core definitions and there's redirection too. We're not talking about that today. Um, but I give these concepts and the clients who can repeat the information to me, who have a comprehension of it, who understand it. Those are the clients that change their dog's behaviors for the better. But you know something? I know when a client hasn't done their homework, first of all, the dog tells me. <laughs> and second of all, all I have to do is look at them and go, what's the definition of positive reinforcement? And if the answer is a treat, then they haven't done their homework. Now, we haven't talked about that yet, guys. Positive reinforcement 
is not the answer. The definition of positive reinforcement, the answer is not a treat. A treat is a kind of positive reinforcement. A treat can be a positive reinforcement, but a treat into itself is not positive reinforcement. Okay. Uh, look, when I'm out on walks and I start teaching a walk, I teach these physical redirections where, simply put, let's say I have a dog who is losing his mind when he sees other dogs. Okay, if I'm approaching that dog and all of a sudden I start to lose focus of my dog on leash, then what I'll do is I'll redirectionally turn them and walk away in order to change their focus. Now, by the definition of punishment and reinforcement, we're going to utilize this here, okay? Motivationally speaking, if a dog is barking at another dog, either A, they want that dog to go away, or they want to go toward that dog. Either way, the focus is about that dog. So something as simple as turning and walking the other direction is a form of punishment to that dog. Okay, I've, I've also said the other definition of punishment is the opposite of what an animal wants, right? The opposite of what they want. That's another easy way to look at it. So if a dog wants to walk this way and I turn around and walk that way, I'm punishing that behavior by definition. So something as simple as Walking toward a dog, when that dog, when my dog reacts, I use a turn to turn and walk away and punish that behavior. Then once I can regain focus and get the dog to calm down, what do I do? I turn back around and walk toward the dog that triggered my dog again in order to reinforce that calm behavior, okay? So by definition, and I'll keep it simple, I won't even go into the positive negative punishment this time. To keep it simple, I walk toward a dog. If my dog reacts, I need to decrease that behavior, so I have to punish it. Simply turning and walking the other direction can sometimes do that, right? Okay, so if I turn and walk the other direction, I'm punishing that behavior. Then once I regain focus and regain control of my dog, I'm going to turn around and walk back toward the dog that triggered my dog in order to negatively reinforce the behavior. So if turning and walking away is a punishment, then turning back around and walking back toward that dog I'm actually removing the punishment in order to negatively reinforce that behavior. Yes, you heard me correctly. Okay, so I'm giving you another example here. If I want to punish that behavior of my dog overreacting, I'm going to turn and walk away until I can regain focus and get that dog to calm down. Get, so my dog is giving me a desired behavior of focus and being calm. Once they give me that desired behavior, I want to make sure I remove the punishment. Well, the punishment in this scenario is turning and walking away. So in order to remove that punishment, I turn around and walk back toward the dog that was triggering him. Does that make sense? And then it's negative reinforcement to remove the punishment in order to increase that targeted behavior. I am negatively reinforcing it. It's tricky stuff sometimes. Neg to me, negative reinforcement, honestly, guys, it's the trickiest concept. It is. It's a hard one to understand. Um, it really is because you kind of have to see it and hear it in like 10 different scenarios to get it. I would recommend even just going back and listening to this a couple times. Um, that's how it started making sense to me. Honestly, was hearing another behavior specialist just say the same damn thing over and over and over <laughs> and me reanalyzing going, oh, now I get it. There it is. Clicked. Um, so negative reinforcement is a tough concept to really fully grasp. But simply put, removing a punishment in order to increase the targeted behavior, that's negative reinforcement. Well, removing a stimulus, should I say. In this scenario, I remove the punishment in order to negatively reinforce the behavior. Now, let's say I turn around, I go back toward the dog that's been triggering my dog, and my dog keeps being good. It's not reacting. It keeps giving me a desired behavior. Well, I want to keep reinforcing that. So I can do something as simple as just keep moving toward that dog. Believe it or not, that's positive reinforcement. Just moving toward the dog 
is going to positively reinforce my dog when they're calm. Okay, does that mean, again, getting a little tricky here. Then I can also add a treat or a good boy or pat on the head. I can use two to three different types of positive reinforcement simultaneously. Walking back toward that dog that triggered it and giving a treat is using two types of positive reinforcement at the same time. This stuff gets so tricky, guys. I'm probably going to have to do a third segment on this down the road because I'm sure I rambled today and made it more complicated. (laughs) I'm sure I did. I'm sure. Uh, But again, it's that simple. So let's break it down. And this is how I break it down normally for my clients. It's, It's really this simple. It's a fraction, guys. It's a fraction. Okay. I have to have all three parts in order to make a whole. I have to have positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and punishment. That's that's the fraction I give to keep it simple. If you want to get more complicated, we're going to turn it into fourths. I have to have all four parts to make a whole. Positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, and negative punishment. Okay, That's what really is happening there. That's what really goes on. To keep it simplistic, I remove the positive and negative punishment. And just to, just to keep it simplistic, I kind of just try to pay, have people look at it as just as punishment. Okay, But again, I have to have all three. So punishment is going to decrease behavior. Punishment is going to decrease behavior and tell an animal what I don't like. Right. The removal of punishment is to negatively reinforce behavior in order to increase the targeted behavior I like. Then once the animal keeps doing that, I want to positively reinforce that targeted behavior in order to increase it even more, increase and reinforce that behavior and strengthen that behavior even more. The more reinforcement, the more reinforcement I can use for targeted behaviors that I like, the faster and quicker your animal will learn. Okay. Now, I said you have to use punishment today, right? But you don't want to overuse punishment. Okay. If you use too much punishment, What's the definition of punishment and anything an animal works to avoid? If you use too much punishment, your animal starts to avoid you. Then you become a form of punishment to your animal. And that's not what we want, guys. That's not what we want. That's why you don't want to use too harsh of punishments or corrections. It's important to know what type of corrections are healthy and what type of corrections are not. Okay? But... You also want to reinforce any desired behaviors, okay? So we do need to punish undesired stuff within reason. Be smart, be mindful, hire a professional, hire a trainer, hire a behavior specialist. They can help you with that. But punishment is a necessary part of life for every animal on this planet. So we have to punish behaviors we don't like and reinforce behaviors we do like. The more you can use that reinforcement side and increase behaviors you like, the faster they're going to learn, okay? But punishment is a necessary part of it. It's just how it works. Just how it goes, guys. Can't, you know, you deny it all you want, but it's just the way it works, okay? So just remember, positive, if there's one thing I really want you to take away from this whole thing, from my long segment today, if there's one thing I want you to take away from it, guys, it is that negative reinforcement does not mean punishment. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. And if you come across any trainer's website, if you come across a research paper, if you come across anything that says negative reinforcement is a form of punishment, I highly recommend you ignore everything they're saying because that just makes it invalid because it's improper information. They're using incorrect terminology, incorrect definitions. And to me, if you can't even research the definition you're using, then you have no business trying to tell people that you know better. So please keep that in mind. There is a lot of misinformation out there, even from reputable resources. Really crazy to me. I mean, it really is. But it's gotten out of hand. And I think the reason it's gotten out of hand is marketing. 
too many marketing people out there that have really taken advantage of the positive and negative and tug on heartstrings. I use only positive reinforcement. I only use positive reinforcement. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're a liar. <laughs> you may not know you're a liar, but you're a liar. Uh, look, if you're another training professional and you call yourself a positive reinforcement trainer, I got news for you. That's false. That's misinformation, misleading, and just not true. You can argue with me till your face turns blue. Don't make it less true. Uh, I, I hate to say it, guys. There's no such thing as positive reinforcement only training. There's no such thing as punishment only training. There's no such thing as force free training. You have to have a balance. Life is about balance. I was raised in a household with pretty darn good balance. I give my parents credit. There were clear boundaries, rules, and there was discipline, but I was very loved. I had a very loving home. My parents made sure I knew that. And we had a balance of love and discipline. And that is why my siblings and I were still all, all here. We're all hanging out. We're not in jail. <laughs> and we still are a family, you know. Uh, I truly believe that because my parents, you know, hey, they're not perfect. They're still people at the end of the day. And hey, every parent screws up to some degree, right? <laughs> uh, love you, mom and dad. But no, the reality is, guys, they provided a balanced household for me with discipline and affection. And you have to do the same for your dog but it comes in different forms in a different language than humans. What we view as discipline is different than what a dog views as discipline. So it's important that you understand those concepts and know how to apply them. But again, if there's one thing I want you to take away from today, there is no emotional connotation, guys, none, zip, zero, zilch, to positive and negative reinforcement. Positive reinforcement is the addition of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior Negative reinforcement is the removal of a stimulus in order to increase a targeted behavior. And punishment is anything an animal works to avoid. Keep that in the back of your brain. Learn those definitions. Understand how they work. And I promise you, I promise you guys, if you understand these concepts and you apply them correctly, you will have a healthier, a better, a much more awesome relationship and training experience with your dog. Next up on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Pug. Now, the Pug is a member of the toy group, and they weigh in anywhere from 14 to 18 pounds. Everybody knows the lovable Pug face. Yes, wrinkly, large round head, bulbous eyes. These adorable dogs know how to sucker you in with those expressive brows and faces. Now, pugs are a versatile breed, and they do well in city life or the country, with or without kids, only pets, or with other pets. Pugs really are confident little dogs with a big personality. And speaking of big, it's important to watch how much these guys are eating as they are prone to obesity. These guys do need a moderate amount of exercise and good walks. Although people think of pugs as being maybe a little bit lazy, these dogs are actually muscular and can excel in activities such as agility. But caution must be taken, uh, like with a lot of the brachycephalic dogs, not to overdo strenuous work, especially when it's really hot out. Pugs are not the best at tolerating high heat, so you do need to be careful. When it comes to their health, one of the first things we want to be careful with are those big eyes. They can have eye problems, including corneal ulcers and dry eyes are also known to happen. You have to keep an eye on hip issues and have regular patella evaluations, but kept healthy, these guys can live for 13 to 15 years. And the origin of the pug? Well, 
It can be traced back, of course, to ancient China about 2,000 years ago. The name pug can possibly trace its roots to the Latin word pugnus, meaning a balled-up fist in reference to the shape and look of their faces. Now, the emperors of ancient China definitely had a thing for those flat-faced pups, didn't they? Yeah, pugs, uh, the Shih Tzu, the Pekingese, they were all developed as pets for the royal family with those flat faces. And, you know, like I'd actually mentioned in a previous Breed of the Week for the Shih Tzus, any outsiders caught with one of these dogs without permission of the royal court, they could be sentenced to death. The pug did not become known to the rest of the world until sometime around the 1500s. It was believed that Dutch traders first brought the breed back to Europe with them. Now, legend says the pug uh, became the mascot of Holland's House of Orange when a pug named Pompey saved the life of the prince by alerting him to the approach of an attack and attempted assassination. During the 1600s in England, the pug may have been bred with the old type King Charles Spaniel, giving the modern type of King Charles Spaniel its pug characteristics. Queen Victoria loved pugs and bred quite a few herself, which included Olga, Pedro, Fatima, Venus, and Minka. The pugs arrived to the United States somewhere in the 1800s and were recognized by the AKC in 1885. Pug also found its way to the big screen, starring in the 1989 film The Adventures of Milo and Otis, featuring the pug named Otis, and of course also in the 1997 blockbuster hit Men in Black, where we all know the character Frank the Pug. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Boss. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak Dogcast, it's our Dog Hero segment. Today's Dog Hero, well, we gotta go back a little bit in history to talk about him. We're gonna talk about Chips, the World War II hero dog. He was trained as a sentry dog for the United States Army, and arguably the most decorated world do- uh, war dog from World War II. Chips was a German Shepherd, Collie, and Husky mix, and his owner's name was Edward J. Wren of Pleasantville, New York. During the war, sometimes private citizens like Wren, occasionally they donated their dogs for duty. So Chip shipped out to the War Dog Training Center in Front Royal, Virginia in 1942. After his training was completed, uh, he actually, one of his first missions was to serve as a sentry dog for the Roosevelt Churchill Conference in 1943. Now that same year, that's when his most courageous effort occurred. His handler, Private John P. Roll, took him into battle uh, as part of the invasion of Sicily. Now, Chips actually broke free from Roll on the beach, ran toward machine gun fire that was pinning down Allied service members, and attacked the Germans in the pillbox. Now, he actually had found the hidden gun nest, 
And from Rollo's own account, during the pre-dawn raid, Chips actually grabbed one of the German soldiers by the neck, dragged him out of there, and wouldn't you know it, his comrades followed suit with their hands up surrendering. The dog did suffer a few burns and scalp wounds, but other than that, he was just fine. He was awarded the Silver Star, a Distinguished Service Cross, and a Purple Heart during the war. But after a lot of controversy erupted over giving military service awards to animals, the practice unfortunately was suspended. Now, Chips did gain notoriety for other acts during the conflict, including a public meeting with General Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1945. However, when the future president bent down to, you know, pet the service dog to thank him for his bravery, Chips bit him. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Eisenhower, the dog had actually been trained to clamp down on humans he didn't know. <laughs> yes, now in pop culture in 1990, Disney actually made a TV movie based on his life entitled Chips the War Dog. Then in 2018, this was great, Chips was actually posthumously awarded the PDSA Dickin Medal for his efforts during the war, and that was in England. And then in 2019 in the United States, Chips was posthumously awarded the Animals in War and Peace Medal of Bravery. So thank you, Chips, for your bravery. And you know something? Thank all the dogs out there who serve in the police force and military who put their life on the line every day and do amazing, courageous acts for people. Now, any of you out there who've been listening to my show regularly, you've heard me talk about Southern Pride Gourmet Foods. Now, look, this isn't an advertisement. This is a straight-up endorsement. Ken Co. over at Southern Pride Gourmet Foods, I know him very well. He's a great guy, small business owner, and more importantly, his products are amazing. Look, I love to cook, personally. I really do. I love to cook. I love to be in the kitchen, and I, I try to get better, and I, I like to think of myself as a decent chef. <laughs> But I love using Ken's products in the kitchen because they're just so darn good. I can't stress it enough. They're incredible. Uh, look, I, I, I know some of you go, David, dogs and, and food products, they don't really go together. And you're right, they don't. But that's just it. That's how good these things are that I needed to come on my show and give Ken a shout out for this. Give him my endorsement because of how amazing his stuff is. You got to go check it out, guys. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. He ships nation wide. You heard me right. Nationwide shipping. So go check it out. He's got spice rubs that I use on my steaks now all the time. He has got amazing olive oils. He's got barbecue sauces. The uh, spicy, like spicy, spicy apple butter barbecue sauce. That stuff is good. And you can also buy his jams and jellies. I've been using them not only on like toast, but I'm putting them on my proteins like barbecue chicken. Uh, I actually, he makes a, a sweet potato butter. Oh, that was for dinner last night on my barbecue chicken. It was amazing, guys. I can't stress it enough. I'm going to say it again. SouthernPrideGourmetFoods.com. You got to go check it out. And of course, I have to give the endorsement of my favorite product of his, his beef jerky. Oh, he has a ton of different flavors. It practically melts in your mouth. It's literally, I'm not even exaggerating. It's literally the best beef jerky I have ever eaten. You know, I bought some beef jerky for my in-laws for Christmas from Ken. It's already gone, and they've already reordered. <laughs> That's how good this stuff is, guys. I'm not joking around. I'm not messing around. Ken's a small business owner, a good local guy, and that's why I'm here to give him my endorsement, and his stuff is incredible. Go check it out for yourself, southernpridegourmetfoods.com. Drop him an email. He's a great guy. You can talk to him directly. He'll make sure you get exactly what you need. Once again, southernpridegourmetfoods.com, where everything that they have is yummy for the tummy.
The answer to today's trivia question, what dog was originally bred to catch rats? It's the Yorkshire Terrier. Yes, the small dog breed was developed in the 19th century in Yorkshire, England to catch rats in clothing mills. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Josh from Ocala, Florida. Now Josh says, my dog is a chihuahua and is possessive over my wife to the point of not liking when I come home or not letting me sit on the couch or even when I get up off the couch, he'll come at me and bark at me and try to attack. What can I do to solve this? Now, Josh, this isn't kind of an easy one thing that's going to fix this, okay? Uh, you know, actually, I had a client a couple months back, and uh, two clients, they were nice enough to come on the show as my first guests, uh, Mark and Jess. They have a dog that has sim- had a similar issue, should I say. Uh, actually, very common, come to think of it. Um, you know, when he would get home, it was the same thing. The dog would kind of lose its mind and bark at him and was very possessive over his wife, and it, it be- definitely became a problem. It was something that they... Um, uh, really wanted to fix. <laughs> now, of course, uh, you know, Josh, the, the best thing to do is to definitely get with a behavior specialist or a trainer. Um, those kind of things can be a little more tricky. But, you know, the first thing I would ask you uh, in return, I'm going to ask a question, is are you walking your dog? Because I probably have to guess that your dog is not getting walked, not getting enough exercise. That's something you can try is you trying to create a proper walk with your dog. Uh, if you're the one having trouble with them, it definitely can help. Now, of course, your wife can walk them, walk him too. Uh, definitely help create that balanced relationship. But really, the walk is one of the first ways that I would go about solving something like that. Um, now, if your dog will take food from you, that's another option is we want to try to maybe start associating you as a good thing, not a bad thing. If your dog doesn't take food from you, well, then that tells me that maybe the problem is a little more intense, a little more severe. And again, you might want to get with a trainer, behavior specialist, uh, a professional to help help you work some of that out. But I would start with exercise because honestly, guys, any kind of anxiety, aggression, anything like that, tendencies like that, it always starts with a proper walk and getting some proper exercise going. Next question. This comes from Bailey from Orlando, Florida. Bailey asks, what kind of dog food should I feed my dog? Now, Bailey, there's really not a wrong and a right answer here. Honestly, there's a lot of great dog foods out on the market, and there's maybe some that are not so great. Uh, you know, the first thing you have to take into consideration is what 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 breed of dog do you have? What are its nutritional needs? And that's the first thing, of course, you want to look at. The size of your dog is definitely going to depend upon what kind of kibble, size of kibble. Uh, and then you really need to Take your budget into consideration. Nobody needs to be going into the negative over buying their dogs a hundred plus dollar bag of 15 pound dog food. You know, nothing ridiculous. There there are a lot of good quality foods for a decent price. Okay. Now, of course, you should consult with your veterinarian. That's a good way to know and make sure that you're giving your dog all the nutritional needs that they need uh, and giving them everything that, that, that you know, uh, is good for them. So a lot of great dog foods out there. Really, again, there's to me, there's not really a right and a wrong answer. Like I said, a lot of great dog foods on the market, but do your research. 
Look at the ingredients going into your dog food. If there's a lot of byproducts listed as the first few ingredients, maybe kind of stay away from that, you know? Uh, we want to look for good protein content and quality ingredients. Um, now, we're not going to get into the grain-free talk today. I will say there is, you know, of course, a lot of the studies going on that have been conducted on the uh, correlation of grain-free diet and cardiomyopathy. So, we're going to talk about that a different day. I'm actually going to have a guest on in the future where we're going to dive deep into that discussion and more in depth really about dog diet in general. So check back uh, within the next few weeks. We're, we're going to be doing a segment on that with my guest and and uh, like I said, go more into depth and have more detail about what to feed your dog and maybe what not to feed your dog. <laughs> That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, be sure you do so right now. Don't forget, leave me a rating, leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate it, guys. And if you have any questions for that listener Q&A, email me, questions at speakadogcast.com. Don't forget to find me on Instagram and Facebook, Speak a Dogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.